Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. Today, we have an absolute legend of a guest. It's Korean John, or as better known as Hun. Oh, I fucked that up big time. Hyun. Hyun Ko. We went over That's this right. before. It's like, uh, because I'm speaking a bit of Chinese and Thai that now you're asking me to pronounce Korean. It's just, it's breaking my brain. Um, now, today, we're going to be talking about John, mostly about his experience in MMA, and he's interviewing absolute legends. So you got to go check him out on the MMA All-Star, and we'll leave all links in the description to that. Um, we're going to learn a lot about what it was like growing up as a Korean in the U.S. way before social media. So um, all that hate speech. And uh, we talked a little bit about before the podcast. We're going to let you hear that exactly on his side of the story. And especially moving back to Korea and how he also wasn't, you know, accepted there as well. So it's, it's a very interesting story. Again, don't forget to like, subscribe. We also have timestamps here and you can navigate this podcast to watch different chapters uh who are we who is fruiting body podcast we are a medicinal mushroom company located on the island of phuket so we're doing things like lion's mane cordyceps reishi actual products from a podcast that add value to the world unlike some of those other podcasts selling you sugar water so without further ado let's get this podcast started with john uh first thanks a lot for joining buddy no worries man no worries we've been We've been trying to do this, right? I think for two, maybe two years, year and a half, yeah, at least yeah. a year and a half. Yeah, for sure. I think the last time you were just, you were just leaving. Yeah. Um, before we're going to explain why is John, uh, you know, in Phuket training over at Bengtown Muay Thai and MMA, especially getting involved with interviewing absolute legends. And uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But first we decided let's start on who is John, where did you grow up? And tell us about that story of living in the U.S. as, as a Korean, then moving back to Korea as well. And um, how did that experience go for you? All right, so I was born in a, like a small country town, right, near the border of North Korea. It sounds fake, but it's the truth, right? So I was born in this small uh, country town in the border of North Korea. And uh, so how did I end up in the States? Well, I was born in that town. And then my mom got divorced, right? Back then, divorce was like pretty much 0% in, in Korea right now. Well, what different. was the name of the, the town? Because I'm... I, I, it's called might... Dongducheon. Okay. And how do we spell that? Dong is like D-O-N-G. Chun or Dongdu, do D-O, and then Chun C-H-E-U-N. Don't, don't quote me on does that. Does Dong right? also mean north in Korean? It does. I believe so, yes. Because in Chinese, uh, it does the same. Okay, interesting. No, book. Puk means north. Okay. Because <laughs> North Korea is Pukhan. Yeah. Anyways. Mm. Um, yeah. So I was born in this small country, you know, town. And then, you know, my mom, when I was still like a baby, my mom got divorced. Right. So uh, since you're in the border town, there's a lot of like military, you know, in there in like military bases and, and whatnot. So uh, my mom was working at uh, on the golf course on the base and she met someone. They got familiar and then they decided they're going to get married. So they went to the States. And then that's why I ended up in the States. Uh, yeah. And I think it was like 80, 83, something like that. So how, how old were you at this Man, point? I think I was like four years old. Okay. So even you're leaving Korea without yeah. even able to, to, to kind of be remember leaving. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember leaving. Yeah. I do remember bits and pieces of my childhood there, but not really leaving. But I remember <laughs> arriving in America because at that time I didn't speak any English. So I only spoke Korean. So when I arrived, you know, I jumped right into kindergarten speaking no English with just Americans, you know what I mean? Just everywhere, just running around all crazy. 
And uh, yeah, so you know something that that's crazy is that I failed kindergarten. Really? Because I could. Y'all keep going. Oh, uh, because I wasn't, I wasn't able to. Um, all right. Or just adjust, just because I'll make it look okay. We just okay. keep rolling. Uh, it's not so much the sound; it's like later, like the real. So. Oh, okay. It looks, just like yeah, the face. Yeah. All right. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds good okay. too. Yeah, well, it's just more so then? when we. So it, we just do it so later when we're cropping it looks so it's not looking like it's coming oh, out yeah, of your head yeah. right. um so you you went in kindergarten you're not speaking any english just korean i mean still four years old so it's probably a bit spotty to remember anyways. yeah yeah for sure and then uh yeah so i failed kindergarten because i wasn't picking up the language quick enough so i did kindergarten twice but once i got the second year in you know my english was fine and uh and what's wild about that is i forgot most of my korean you know within that time span right so i did like Kindergarten to like third grade in in Maryland, uh, a town just outside of uh, Washington D.C., and uh, and that was my first taste of like, you know, America, the culture, you know, and and I lived in this like apartment complex for all military families, right? And and you know, my stepdad, uh, the man that you know my mom met, he was in the military, so I was just following him around. He was still in the military at that time. And, uh, yeah, so I got my first taste of, like, American culture, like, diversity, all of that stuff on in that uh, apartment complex. And there was, like, blacks, whites, Mexicans. You know, there was everybody there because it's the military. And that was my first taste of, like, discrimination, which probably in my mind at that time it was not even a thing. You know what I mean? But, yeah, discrimination because there's not many Asian families in that complex. So I think there was maybe, like, two and there's like a thousand apartments, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of a small percentage. So like, uh, yeah. So at that time I was just like, go out and you know, like when you're a kid back then you go out and play, there's no like video, like, you know, there's video games, but it's not like it is now. You know I mean? Everybody's indoors now. Back then everybody went outside to play, you know, you're playing football, baseball, whatever sport is, uh, available. And, uh, yeah, man, I would basically what I would do is like, I would go play sports outside in that complex. And then that would just lead into fights with kids in the neighborhood, right? So then eventually, like, the kids would, you know, call me these words that I didn't know what they were. You know what I mean? They must have learned it from somewhere, but I didn't know what it was. What, what age is this at? This was, like, at the age of, like, first, second, third grade okay, at that so time. Six, seven, eight, yeah. Yeah, six, seven, eight. So, like, at six, seven, eight, I was already fighting in the street, which nowadays you would think, like, if you're a Thai, you know, kick, you know, if you're a Thai boxer, yeah, six, seven, eight sounds normal, but in America... Who's fight, fist fighting in the street at six, seven, eight years old? Well, I was. And I was getting jumped. You know, and it was also, like, because I didn't have the, I guess, the support that everybody else had. You know what I mean? There's, like, kids from, like, different backgrounds. And they all kind what of, What was like, it like there? Like, when you're saying Maryland, like, I'm thinking Baltimore. I'm thinking, yeah. like, the movie, the, like, the, yeah, the, the Wire. The Wire. <laughs> is that, are you talking, like, is it the ghetto or is it kind of? No, no, because it was a military complex. So okay. it wasn't, like, you know, it was just, like, good enough. You know what I mean? The, 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 the apartments were not, they were decent. You know what I mean? They were That's where like, they're like temporary yeah, stationing these exactly. people because they're going to have to go somewhere anyway. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, yeah. So like, you know, kids would call me like uh gook or chink or something like it's words. I never even heard at that time. And I'm just like, what are they calling me? But it's like, it, it comes with aggression. Mm. You know what I mean? And then they start to try to like pick on you because you don't have that support. You don't have like, you know, other Asians with you at that time. So that you eventually just get jumped because you just fight for no reason. You know what I mean? Of course, like I said earlier, that like you'd go and play sports and that leads to fighting. You play sports when you were young, right? Yeah, yeah. And it always leads to some kind of like 
altercation with somebody, right? Eventually. Yeah, it gets competitive. I mean, yeah. West, the Western world is in our sports. We're super yeah. competitive. Yeah. So, but outside of that, yeah, it's just like kids, you know, if, if something didn't go their way, like during, uh, you know, playing sports or whatnot, they would, that's the terminology they would throw out, you know, like racist terminology. And, but at, the, at that time, I didn't know what that was. You know what I mean? But then it just led to like me just like looking at them and thinking like, why are they so mad? And then them trying to attack me. And then I have to defend myself. You know what I mean? I'm not like no, you know, I'm no, you know, Alex Volkanovsky, right? So it's just like, I'm just fighting, you know what I mean? No skill. You know, of course, like I did Taekwondo when I was young, but that stuff don't work in a street fight. I'm just going to tell everybody right now. I'm Korean. I'm telling you, Taekwondo is not really a thing that works in a street fight. And uh, yeah, so I would just get jumped a lot at that time. But when I look back at it now, it was because of, you know, not because of like my attitude or like I was picking on people or I was like a bully or something like that. It was just like, I think it was because like I was different from everybody else. And those kids never was exposed to like someone like me. You know what I mean? And it also didn't help that at that time I was learning to speak English too. So imagine the accent and all that. So, you know, um, back then, I don't know. It seemed like racism was more open. Were there other like Asians in the community, but, but from other Asian countries or? Yeah, there was like maybe like one or two other families there. And but, but that's it. But people, I guess it, people from the Western world don't understand like there's racism within Asia amongst Asians. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah, they yeah. will literally rank like, <laughs> I mean, you could go through the ranking. It probably, it pro like realistically, everyone's seen this. It's like Chinese, Japanese, Korean are like here. And then it kind of goes to, what, maybe then, like, Taiwanese, Thai. Well, yeah. Taiwanese can be up there, too. And then it goes to Thai. Yeah. And then you might go to, well, Singapore is probably up there. But, like, once it gets down and not being racist, like, comedians have told this joke. Asians will go over this. It's like, then they're picking on, like, the Filipinos and the Indonesians and the Cambodians and the people from Laos. Just because they follow down, they fall down that, like, economic um wealth gap yeah, yeah. does this carry over as well like into your asian culture that you've seen where of course where you guys are even racist against each other but no obviously from the western world unless you lived in asia and you know other mm. asians as well living here you're not really exposed to that well in in the states i think like because uh it's very segregated in many ways that asians will come together mm. most of the time right to help each other most of the time but when you start going out from that melting pot and coming into Asia where everything's, you know, like country by country, then it's, yeah, of course, you know, you see um, a lot of racism and, and prejudice as well. You know, I mean, you see people, you know, what trips me out is like, if you think so low about another country, why would you go vacation in that country? Like, why would you, you know, spend money in that country? Why would like to me, like, why would you do that? You know? And uh, I, that's what I try to, sometimes I ask people that if I think that they're racist or something towards another Asian race, if you're Asian, it's weird. It's to me, it's weird. You know what I mean? Of course there's prejudice and, and I joke around about it a lot as well, but in reality, you know, it's there, you know what I mean? And, and you have to deal with it and, uh, and yeah, you have to deal with it. That's, well, you, that's you see the thing it, I look it, at like, it. Uh, multiple times I've been to the Philippines and like, you'll go to these places like Boracay and, like, if you're at a nice hotel, like, the Chinese are just talking down to the mm -hmm. staff. Like, and I, they, they have that mentality. Like, there is that hierarchy in Asia as well, and you see that here. Um, e even in Thailand, I find the, 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 hopefully I don't get in trouble for this, the people from Singapore, mm -hmm. I, oh, they talk down to, to staff here quite a lot. I've seen this, especially in Thailand. 
oh, yeah, you, you see it, you know, yeah. Well, in Thailand, right, it's, it's, it's a vacationing country. So you get everybody coming in, right, yeah. from all different countries. And I've seen that as well. Like, even the Koreans, too, you know what I mean? The Koreans are loud and, you know, uh, they kind of have a arrogance about them whenever they go anywhere. And, and, you know, I've seen, you know, Koreans, Chinese, Japanese, not so much Japanese, but like Korean, Chinese, and, you know, Singaporean or whatnot. They, I've seen those types of people get angry and show their prejudice or show their racism, you know, in a hotel or whatnot. You know what I mean? Because, you, you know, just like yourself, I've been around all over these different hotels, different areas and stuff, and you just run into people and you see them and in, in the way that they act. But I also look at it like this. They were almost raised that way. Or they were raised that way. Because there, there would be no other reason to act like that, right? And, you know, like back in America, it's the same thing. The kids were raised a certain way, right? The kids were uh, taught a certain, you know, a certain mindset, you know, and towards like other races. And, uh, and, and the kids just, they just eat it up, man. And they, they just go out and, you know, they don't know any better. No, right. It usually comes from the grandparents, I find. Yeah, Even like yeah. I remember my grandparents when I grew up, like they were racist mm -hmm. for no reason. You didn't know as a kid. I'd, but I don't think uh, they were also programmed as well to be racist. I mean, it was, it's just a whole trickle down effect. But, the, you know, like th those years, like in elementary school in the States, like from kindergarten to third grade, you know, what I mean, like they were rough, but it wasn't too bad. You know, what I mean, of course, you get into fights. It's whatever. Uh, it's just what kids do. Uh, but the experience of me, like, coming back to the States as a teenager, that was different. Come, you mean going back to Korea? No, well, going back to Korea and then going back to the States okay, after so that. Okay, so you, le you left around 8, 9, back to yeah, Korea? Yeah, so I left, like, around, like, fourth grade, fifth grade, around that time, back to Korea, and I spent, like, maybe two to three more years in Korea. This is for the, your, your stepfather going back yeah, to the yeah, military? Back to, yeah, back to Korea for the military. So what year is that? You're talking that's 90, like 89, 89. Yeah. 89. So what was the U S was still in, in South Korea and yeah, Korea. Yeah. They're still here. Right? They're still there. They're right still now. there. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. They're slowly pulling out, but they're still there. But yeah, back then it was just, you know, so much, so many bases, um, you know, like, yeah, the military was the presence. It was felt cause you know, like I was living on the base and all that stuff. So, um, where, where were you going when you went back to Korea to see, do when we say South Korea, does that offend Koreans? No, no. I, I got really because I I told you I've been to North Korea, yeah. and it's uh th when you go there like when you say North Korea they got offended like you weren't allowed to say it. You're like no, it's Korea. You're like, okay, don't I want to get out of yeah, here? It doesn't alive. make any sense. Like um, why would they get angry about that? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So where were you guys going when you were going back to to uh, South Korea? Uh, we were going back to. Kind of like the very similar area near the border. DM, DMZ. Yeah, DMZ. Yeah, DMZ. DMZ. So near the border, DMZ. That's what's the trip about Korea. If you go ever go there, you could go to like a restaurant near the border and like eat dinner and see North Korea. Like see the buildings and the lights and everything. It's a trip, man. Um, if you ever come, yeah, I'll take you. Go to the we'll, DMZ. We'll go to these like, we'll go to the restaurant and eat and we will be looking over here at the border and there'll be like fake buildings. Yeah, I've been to the other. I was in Pyongyang. Uh, Pyongyang. Pyongyang. Pyongyang, yeah, I was there a long time ago for a hockey tournament, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. The the food was similar, mm. but um, it was just like the quality was 
terrible. It's yeah. like it was Korean food, but just like if you ate the worst Korean food, yeah. that's basically what it was. <laughs> oh, fuck, I don't, I, don't, I don't die for that either. Uh, yeah. well, um, so, so you went back at that age, and now you're coming back into Korea. and I, I, Kind of like, like flipped. Flipped, flipped like, now. So now you're, you're, you're Korean shit probably. Yeah, my Korean is not very good. Yeah. You know, I'm more Americanized now. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, and it's just like instantly people notice that, even as a kid. You know, but I was actually also going to uh, an international school at that time, too. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like I was around, like, um, all Koreans, you know, at a Korean school. I was at an international school with, uh, with like, all the uh, military brats, so to say. You know, I guess I was one as well. And, uh, yeah, but the, the, the experience that I had that really, like, stood out in my mind of why, you know, like like being like Americanized was not a good thing in Korea was uh, when I was living there at that time, I think I was maybe in like fifth grade. Right. And uh, my school was out on vacation and my friend, like my next door neighbor, this was when I was living off the base with my family. He was Korean and he went to a Korean school in the neighborhood. So like we became friends. Right. So he's just like, Hey, you should come with me to school. Like you're not going to school anyway. So you should come with me to school and like meet everybody and hang out. So I go there, right? And I'm just like, what? It was a trip, right? Like, I'd never been to a Korean school in my life. And I'm just looking at everybody. And it's it, one first thing is a trip because everybody's the same, you know, because I've been used to the States, right? Where everybody's like different. And I went to the international school where everybody's different. Uh, diversity, right? And uh, yeah, instantly over there, I, I, I fought somebody at their school. Like, somebody attacked me because I don't know why. There was no reason. It was just like they were just mad because I was there. And my friend was going around telling him, yeah, he's from America. You know, he's Americanized and, you know, he speaks English and stuff. Yeah, also speaking English is not a good thing as well. And we'll get into that later when, when, I, uh, when we talk about when I was in the military in Korea. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so, like, yeah, that example. Like, going to a Korean school with my friend just to visit, and I end up fighting one of the kids because he just doesn't like me. Did he just come up to you, but you're able to understand what he's saying? Yeah, of why course. Why he's pissed off? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, leave. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, who are you to tell me to leave? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm here with my friend visiting, like, to have a good time, right? But not everybody wants to have a good time. So I ended up, like, fighting him in some, like, dirt patch in the school, what is it, field or something like that. In Korea, schools, like, there's no grass. So it's just fields, right? Just rocks and dirt. But, uh, yeah, it was just once that happened, I was just like, man, I cannot catch a break, man. Like, I go to America, people want to fight me because who I like who I am. And then I come back to Korea if you were trying to fight me. There's a term for um, for Koreans in the Korean language for Koreans that either were born abroad or lived abroad and came back. And it's called it's uh, Kyopo. Mm. I don't think any other language has a term for like. A person that was born in a country, left and came back, and now you're labeled this. Do you do you know? I mean, no, I mean, I guess expat, but that's not the term. Yeah, but it's not. It it's doesn't not really have a negative no. connotation, right? It, it has a negative connotation. Expat does, you think? No, I mean, th th yeah, term. yeah, it kind of does to me. You know what I mean? Because they're just like they instantly they want to label you, right? Like, oh, you 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 speak English really well. Your Korean accent is you know shit, and your Korean is kind of shit. And and we know now you lived abroad. Now you you are a kyopo. Like 
And you're not like, a real, basically, you're not a real Korean. That's what I would face all the time. It's like, you're not a real Korean. And they would introduce you, like friends would introduce you this way. Yes, exactly. Okay, okay I get it. And then it's like, oh, then they, they're, they're like, you can see their eye like, and then like, yeah. I was like, man, that's not a good thing. Like, I didn't, I, I never liked that term, Kyopo. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, they were labeling you before they even knew who you were. You know what I mean? Like, I I would never do that. Like, I would never just label somebody before I knew who they were. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, uh, and then it's just, you can't do nothing about it. Because when you go back to Korea, everywhere you go, it's like, if they know who you are, they're just like, oh, you know, he's a kyopo. Don't mind him. He's a kyopo, right? Why does he act this way? Oh, he's a kyopo. Like, that's what it was. Mm. So it's kind of negative, right? It's like, the mindset is different. But like, they wouldn't be trying to also show you off to friends like, hey, I hang out with the Kyopo. Well, for women is different, right? For women is different, I think. Like Kyopo used to be like this, uh, what do you call that? Like a little, uh, ah, I forgot what it was called. Novelty. Mm. Kyopo was a novelty for a while, you know, but I missed that wave. I missed the novelty wave. That was like that post Kyopo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the K-pop wave, right? But there was a yeah, Kyopo wave where okay. I heard it was like the nineties. Okay, like if you were like Kyopo and you went back to the back to Korea, like it was like you're a celebrity. Yeah, you're a celebrity for real. Like, but you know that wave was over yeah, with. And everyone when I just got, got tired of these Kyopo. So <laughs> yeah, that's enough. Yeah, for real, because they were just causing problems, probably right. So and then it. it, it and if they did cause problems, they would just leave. Yeah, maybe they're going around, you know, starting fights. And, hey, I'm a Kyopo. Yeah. And, and then you got other Koreans starting fights, and they're not really. They're just throwing yeah. the term around. They're like, all right, that's enough. No more Kyopos. Yeah. Yeah. And as you're coming in right at the end, you didn't get the memo. Yeah, because when I went back um, as an adult, right, in like 2004 is when I went back to Korea. Uh, that's when the wave was already over. And it was just like, it was still a little bit there, you know what I mean? But it wasn't like, there was just more of like, Oh, you're not a real Korean. That's the only thing that really, like, I don't know if it hurt me, but it bothered me. Like, how am I not a real Korean? Like, are you not a real, what, what are you? Canadian. Canadian. Are you not a real Canadian? I don't want to be anymore. He doesn't want to be a Canadian. <laughs> but, like, where's your family from? Uh, yeah, Canada. Definitely, definitely. No, before that. Before uh, they were. Probably, like, Ireland, UK. You see, so, like, yeah. let's say you were, like, one generation removed from Ireland, right? Then, you know, you'd be Irish. Right yeah. or the UK or whatnot, but someone coming up to you and be like, "Yo, you're not Irish." Yeah. Oh, well, I'd be like, "Yeah." Well, unless you're born, I think you need to be born there to to be able to justify that. Right. True. True. And what you were. Yeah, I was, but I, I, but I look at it like that too. You know what I mean? I was born there, but then if you're, if it's in your blood, it's in your blood, man. Like, if you're, if you have Irish blood running through your veins, then you're Irish. You know what I mean? And you're Canadian. You, it's not like you can just be like one. You know what I mean? That's why they have terminology like Korean-American and African-American, right? You could be two. Um, that's why they have uh, dual passports and citizenships and all that, right? Maybe I need a, there's I need no limit. Irish passport. You should. You should. Yeah, then it's Canadian, probably valuable. Canadian communists, they're taking me yeah. down. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So like, yeah. So um, that that is the something that I had to like deal with. And I still kind of deal with that a little bit. You know, I don't really think about it too much. But yeah, like... Am I Korean? That's that's cr crazy to say, right? And so how long were you then in Korea until you went back to the U.S.? Like 13, 14? 14? I was there for like two years. Oh, just two years. Yeah, two years. At the end of sixth grade, um, my parents or my my stepdad retired from the military. He had already did 20 years, I think. And he retired. And then we moved back to the States and moved into this uh, 
town near Savannah, Georgia. It's like southern Georgia, which is like, I don't know, southern, you know, the southern United States is, yeah. is, <laughs> is crazy, right? So, like, I moved into this small, small town um, and went to this school. This is sixth grade, right? Middle of sixth grade. Went to this school of, like, 3,000 students, but it had, like, elementary, middle school, and high school all in one it's campus. It's a big school. It's a big, big school, right? I was the only Asian in that school. I was going to say, for sure. <laughs> there. Imagine, imagine the problems that I ran into yeah. at that school. I, that school, I fought more than any, any period in my life at that school. Because that school would never suspend you if you fought. Like, that school, in gym class, the teachers would let you fight. And they would watch and laugh about it. And then clean you up and then send you to the next class. So, like, you would go to school every week and... I was fighting somebody because why I'm the only Asian, like who's the best guy to fight the only Asian, like there's, you know, it, but it wasn't like I was hiding. You know what I mean? I was like out there. Like if you're playing basketball, all right, let's play, play some hoops. Right. Like, let's go. It's not like I was terrible at sports. So like, I would want to do these things. Right. It was probably, it would probably have been better if I avoided all of that and like, kind of like isolated myself. Right. But then that would have been just a terrible existence. So I was just out there, even though like uh, fighting was something I didn't want to do, but it was just like, hey, if it happens, it happens. And it's just, I have the same attitude now, you know what I mean? But they were also probably fighting. There's probably lots of fights going on. As oh, well. for sure. Like, I mean, for a sure. school of 3,000, that's a big ass yeah, school, Yeah, it's right? a big school. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a trip, man. It was all just whites and blacks. That's it. There was nobody else. It was crazy. No Teachers, everybody was white or black. No Mex, there's no Spanish, nothing. It was crazy. I was like... I don't even know how I survived. Very divided, yeah. Yeah, very divided. But the thing is, like, yes, back then, or even now, it's, like, divided. Whites and blacks are divided, right? But then they come together because they have a common enemy. Who is me? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Enemies become friends, right? Yeah, yeah. But they have a common enemy. So, um, yeah, so, like, it was a trip, man. Like, going to that school for, like, luckily I only went there for, like, six months. And then I moved to the Seattle area, near Seattle. But, uh, yeah. That's that's where you were beating up white people now. No, 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 (laughs) no. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're like, all right, I'm taking over this school. <laughs> no. um, yeah, so like, uh, so like in that school, yeah, the the problems would just come from like sports, basically playing sports, you know, and, and you get into altercations, and then you know the racist terminologies will come out, and then because it was never like I was racist towards other people, mm-hmm. ever. You know, what I mean, it was always like people just like initiating it towards me for some odd reason. And uh, and it was just like it was kids, man. Like I'm not even talking about adults yet. It's like kids doing this. And like you said earlier, it's a learned behavior, right? Especially it most likely coming from the grandparents. Is that this still in high school at this point? This is in uh, sixth grade. Oh shit! So you, I mean, you got a lot. Like well, a, right up to like age twelve, you've been through a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just like moving. Yeah, moving a lot. Yeah, people always think of moving as g- a good thing, but. It can be a bad thing. How, how was it every time you had to move? Was there, like, that built-up tension or anxiety? Or was it just, like, now you're used to it? Okay, we're moving again. I'm just used to it. Yeah. I've always been used to it. Um, I could adapt to any country, location now. I could But, like, as, as a live. kid, there wasn't you, that, that argument, like, because you have to, you make friends and then you leave them. There wasn't, like, fuck, I don't want to move, mom and, mom and dad, like, you know. That, that, like, I've just made all these friends here. Can we stay? Or was it always pretty, you know, okay, I understand. We got to go. Well, our parents were very clear on you have no choice. Yeah. Right? You're a kid. 
you're just going to follow the family. And, uh, yeah, so there was not much argument. And my dad was in the military. So, like, I grew up saying, yes, sir, no, sir. Mm. You know, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, sir, no, sir, everything. And you're like, it was like a drill sergeant at home, basically. So there was no arguments, <laughs> really. And probably you're with a lot of other military kids, so they are all going through the same thing yeah. anyways. Yeah. Like, it's nothing. Like, when you're going to these uh, military schools, like, like you said, in, in, in Maryland or by the DMZ, uh, when kids were leaving school, there probably wasn't going away parties every single time. Nah, Everyone's nah. just so used to it, yeah, right? Yeah, people just disappear. Right. right. And back then, there was no social media. There was no internet. So it's like, how are you going to keep in contact with those kids? It's very. What, are you going to write letters? You know what I mean? Have you ever ran into like an old friend just randomly? Because you would have been moving around so mm, much. There's that a I'm story sure, there. Yeah. There's a story there. Um, so when I lived in Korea, right, the like like the the two years that I lived there, right, there was uh, these two brothers named Jason and Josh, right? And we all played on the same basketball team for our school. And, uh, yeah, and they were just both tall. Like, they stood out, you know, for for, uh, for kids. But anyways, so we, we were on the same basketball team. I was friends with this older brother. But Josh, the younger brother, was the same age as me. But I was friends with his older brother. We're on the same team, right? So we played basketball together in the league, played other teams. And after... After I left, you know, you forget about everybody. It's not like you're, like, you know, remembering them and crying about it. No, you just leave and you go to the next spot. And then when I moved to Seattle, the Seattle area, right? See, one thing about Seattle area, it is much more calmer than any other spot that I've lived, right? It's just, like, it's not as, um, I don't know, like, the people are different. I think they just grew up differently from the south compared to, like, the East Coast, you know, like, it's just different. But, um, yeah, it's just, like, the Seattle <laughs> the Seattle area was, like, it, it, it kind of slowed down a little bit with the, with the, with the, the racism stuff mm -hmm. in that area. But still, it was there. You know what I mean? Still, it was there. Um, yeah, so what was I talking about? Uh, oh, so uh, this guy, uh, Josh? Yeah, Josh. Anyways, Anybody Josh, yeah. So, so, we, so I moved from uh, Georgia to the Seattle area, and we moved into this small town called South Hill. It's mm. a small town, right? The south side of uh, Seattle. And I start going to school there, like uh, seventh grade, middle school, or junior high, junior high. Mm. And I'm going to school, you know, first, you know, year of school, you know, doing whatever, you know what I mean? It was pretty, pretty good school, made a lot of friends, whatnot. And then I see this kid in the school arrive, and he's like a new kid. And I'm like looking at him like, man, that fool looks familiar. And so I go up to him, he's like, yo, what's your name? He's like, Josh. But the thing is, like, when I knew him a few years ago, he was, like, not as tall. He just, like, sprouted out. He's just massive. And I was like, Josh, he's like, did you live in Korea? He's like, yeah. I was like, where's your brother at? Because that's the first thing. I was friends with his brother. Yeah. His brother is like, oh, he's, you know, of course, he's at school, right? He's, at, he's probably going to the high school. And I was just, and then I saw, I was just like, that blew my mind. Because, like, my dad had retired from the military at, by that point, right? And uh, and then we moved into the same city, in the same town, or in the s and going to the same school, which is very. And then also, we weren't even friends. We were friends in Korea, but like when we were the state, like we didn't even hang out with each other. You know what I mean? Which was wild, right? But yeah, how do you how do, have you ever had that experience? Mm, I don't. I don't think maybe just running into people from travel and you meet them again randomly. Yeah. And no. then that dude became like a massive like. Uh, meth head and oh you know the, the, the older brother no the younger one oh. but uh yeah that that's a whole nother story that's a whole right other there. issue yeah, in but Seattle. yeah yeah but yeah i've had that experience where like i've like met somebody in another country and then 
just randomly met them again in another did, another country. Uh, did you go run into his older brother, or now yeah, he's of course. Gonna, and and did you guys become friends at no, that point? No, no, just because like, the age difference. Yeah, now. just the age difference, and it's just like different crews. I said, I yeah, guess yeah, yeah. you know, like uh, me in in middle school, I was more like into the sports. You know, trying to become an athlete or whatnot. You know, wrestling and and football and basketball or whatever. Um, but like his older brother was like, wasn't into that anymore. So it was just like I was just running with the kids that were into sports, like kind of like a jock in a way. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what I was into. So I think at that age, whatever you're into is usually who your friends are, right? Is that that's probably yeah. your experience as well. So yeah, that was the experience of meeting someone. But after that, yeah, I never really hung out with them. And wasn't really close to them, but I would see them around, and it was, yeah, it was very weird. What were you planning to do then to go to to university? I mean, now you're kind of in in the media side. I mean, was any of this pre-planned? No, 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 none of this is a uh, pre-planned. Uh, so, the media side, you're talking, you want to talk like, about like like getting into like that direction of that path. I mean, we c- we can touch upon you had to. Uh, I'm assuming you had to go back to Korea again. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to serve their military time, especially if you're born there and you're holding a Korean passport. So tying that all in together up to your education and and even then connecting that to the media, how did that all come together? Well, I went back to Korea in 2004, right, and went to the into the military in 2005, six years. Right, but the your your the your Korean passport. You're you're not holding an American passport no, no, at no, any no, point, no. right? No, no. I, yeah, I was just like a permanent resident. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so when I went back, yeah, I went to the military, um, went to boot camp, and then got got stationed also near the border. It was very weird, right? Near the border. Um, and then I uh, then I hurt my back. It was just all in within like a three, four month span. I just hurt my back and it was like, you know, you, when you have a, like a slip disc in your back and your nerves are pinched and you can't go to sleep, you can't lay down, you can't do anything. What age is this? This is uh, 26. 26. So you're going to the military much later now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like all the other kids were like 18, yeah. 19, some were 20. And that's like the oldest. Like I was 26. And going into the military, so everybody was looking at me all weird. But as you well. you have to, right? You I have mean, to, yeah. Like I cannot leave. I, they they took they revoked my passport once I l- arrived. When so you're arriving because you haven't done any military. Mm-hmm. They're basically they're taking it at the border and saying you're going, and yeah. it's it's four years, isn't it? Well, they didn't take it at the border. It's just like they they sent you a letter to like a you know a close family member or whatnot, and then then uh, your your passport is invalid until you serve your time. So I was like, man, because I was thinking about just like, I'm not going to go. And then there, then I found out that you can't use your passport to leave the country. So I was just like, OK, I, be, I, I think I'm going to go because I don't think it was that that difficult. And plus, I was in pretty good shape at that time. So I was like, boot camp shouldn't be that difficult. You know, so I go to boot camp, get stationed, hurt my back, get get uh, transferred to a military hospital for two months, get surgery on my back. The first surgery didn't go as planned. So they, the next day they put me in surgery again. So I had double surgery on my back, back-to-back days. And then, like, maybe uh, a month after that, they released me on, um, what is it? Uh, what's it? What's when you get released from the military? Uh, yeah, I know. I forget the word, but yeah. Yeah, so, like, they, they released me with that, right? So basically I don't get the benefits or whatnot of, like, somebody that served the military the whole two years because I was only in there for six months. Oh, so, so 
Koreans, you only have to do two years. It's yeah, not, I think it's maybe it's different now. But yeah, before me, it was like three years. Before that, it was four years. Okay. But now when it was two years. I think now it's 18 months, maybe. I'm not for sure. But yeah, so uh, once I got out of there and uh, the doctor, the hospital told me like, you shouldn't do anything for like a year. And I'm like, how are you going to sit around for a year? So I was just like trying to find work or whatnot. And luckily I had a friend in Korea hooked me up with a job and then, you know, I pursued that. Uh, but then um, fast forwarding to the media stuff, uh, I was working a job and I was like, man, you know, this job, you know, even though it's paying well, I don't know if there's uh, longevity. Wh- which city are you in at this point? Seoul. Like Seoul. I, I'm living in Seoul the whole time pretty much. Um, yeah, there's really nowhere else to live. Is, is, is South Korea like that? It pretty much, I mean... You can go so- south to like Jeju, but this is getting more like tourism. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's in Seoul. Like this is yeah, yeah. this is pretty much yeah. the everybody's moving there. Everybody yeah. wants a job there. Everybody wants to go get their education there. It's not a good thing to be on, like uh, to me. It's not a good thing. But yeah, so because of that, I'm in Seoul the whole time, and uh, yeah, I had to realize I had, to, I had a realization like, man, I need to find something that I could do. You know, that's not just gonna cut me off at the legs. You know, I c- something I could do on my own. You know, something that I could take to me when I'm 60 years old and uh yeah I just thought of like MMA and I was like you know I've been watching MMA since like well I watched the first UFC when I was young which was like 92 or 93 I bought the paper or I didn't buy it my friend bought bought the paper we watched that never thought about it again and then when I went back to Korea in 2004 pride was still going on and they were showing that on TV so I would be watching that a lot and then the UFC started to gain some you know, traction as well, like maybe 2010s or whatnot. And I was just watching it as a fan. And then I was like, man, maybe I should, you know, because you always get this, especially with social media, they're always telling you, do something that you love. You know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of like a theme, you know, and I was just like, that really got to me and said, oh man, I should do something that I really enjoy doing. And uh, yeah, so I just like reached out to uh, a website and I was like, is there any websites in Asia like covering MMA in English? So I looked at, there was one website called um MMA Asia MMA in Asia, right? dot com or something like that. Um Lily was the guy the, the 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 woman running it and she was just doing it by herself. And I reached out to her and asked her like, hey, you know, how do I get started? Do you need any help? You know what I mean? Like what what can I do? And uh, she kinda kinda guided me through everything and, and showed me uh like what what needs to be done, like what, what the industry's like and uh and then eventually like I started writing articles and I was terrible. I was shitty. But, you know, you need practice. So I was just writing. And then basically I was just, like, reading articles, learning, you know, like, structure, you know, like, teaching myself everything, right? Even even though I have guidance from, you know, Lily or whatnot. But, you know, without, like, the internet, I probably wouldn't have this opportunity of, what, like, covering Sorry, what was the name of, of their, uh, like, it was a news website? It was a blog? Yeah, it was a news website. It was a news website covering, like, all of MMA in Asia. There was nobody else doing it at that time, right? And they're still doing it? I mean, obviously... No, the site doesn't exist anymore. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, I think there's another site that's named similar to it, but it's not the same one. Um, but, yeah, so I, I did that for a couple years on and off, you know what I mean? Because there's no pay in it, you know, at the start. I didn't expect to get paid. Um, you know, I get, like, a little bit of money here and there, but it was nothing, like... So I was working a full-time job and doing that at the same time. And I would, like, do it and not do it, do it and not do it, quit start again and uh you know i kind of like came to a like a, a roadblock 
after a couple of years thinking like, man, where is this going? You know what I mean? Like, cause I'm, I'm working a full-time job and I'm pretty much spending the rest of the time that I have, like trying to figure out like what I can do in MMA media. Right. So about, I think it was like 2016 or 17, no, 2017, maybe I'm not for sure. But, um, yeah, I was like writing article covering shows, um, you know, Basically, that's what I was doing the whole time, just writing our covering shows. And I was like, man, I got to do something different. So I was like, maybe I should do a podcast. And uh, so I reached out to uh, George. Mm. And this was when George was uh, uh, the, uh, the coach at Tiger. And uh, I was like, maybe I should get George, you know, to uh, come on the podcast. And, like, we could do a podcast together. Um, and you c- if you go on YouTube, you could watch those old podcasts. It's still up there. But, uh, yeah, and that's when I started, like, Kumite Radio, which was uh, – the birth of me talking with fighters, interviewing fighters, but it wasn't me actually interviewing fighters. It was just me and George talking about like MMA in Asia and, and uh, yeah, and it, it, it gave me good practice of just talking with other people. But, you know, after a while, George just got too busy, right, with h- what he's doing where he couldn't like consistently do it. So I had to flip the script and say, okay, maybe I should not do a podcast and I should just reach out to fighters and use my network from the past couple of years to to start scheduling interviews with these fighters, and that's what I started doing. How did you initially like connect with George, and I mean, essentially Thailand? Well, George, you know, like when I was covering shows in Korea, I would go to like the Road FC shows, and a lot of the Tiger Muay Thai fighters would go and fight on those shows. So George would definitely, or George would obviously be with them because he would be the corner. He's the coach, and uh, and you know, after a few shows, you get to figure out like who's who. And I just went up to George, I think, at a road FC and said, you know, and just, just introduced myself and said, like, you know, um, and just chit-chatted, you know what I mean? Nothing really too major. And just to get to know him, you know, I think um, this was when, like, Bruno Miranda was big in, in road FC and uh, uh, Rafael Fizev, mm. uh, he was still fighting for them. So it was like they were, you know, building something. Tiger was building something at that time. And George was one of the, you know, faces. So, yeah, that's how I met George. And then he, he would come into Korea and then, like, we would meet you know, and then just get to know each other a little bit more. And he would come often. And uh, and then, yeah, and just like that's how the relationship started. This was like, yeah. I think the first time I met him was uh, in 2016 or 15. This was when, like, he was still fighting. Yeah, so not that long ago then. Maybe eight eight years. Oh, yeah. I guess it is. <laughs> that's a long time ago, man. how fast time yeah. goes. Yeah. Eight years is, is a long time. But, yeah, that's he was transitioning to, to becoming a full-time coach. And... Uh, and then, the, yeah, that's how, you know, we became friends pretty much. And I've known him ever since. Like, uh, he's helped me so much. Like, him and Frank, yeah, those two guys, they've helped me so much. Like, they, um, I owe a lot to them. Connecting you to these yeah, high-profile yeah, high yeah, fighters. Yeah, and this was when I was, like, nobody, you know what I mean? Like, this was, like, um, yeah, I was nobody. Like, even right now, I'm nobody, right? Like, I might have a little, you know, uh, experience, but really in the grand scheme of things, I'm a nobody. But uh, even though I was a nobody, they they saw, I guess they maybe saw something, you know what I mean? They, they saw the grind, I don't know. But they would just be like, they trusted me to, like, interview these fighters when, you know, I didn't really have a huge platform. And he would introduce me to people, and, uh, and Frank as well. And, uh, yeah, man, without them... I don't know if I would be doing this. Still doing. Still doing it right now. And, and now you're over here. You're training at Bangtan Muay Thai mm-hmm. and MMA. You're, you're, how much longer are you going to be here? A couple months? Well, I'm in and, in and out. In and out. So, like, now I'm, like, 100%, you know, fully immersed in MMA media. 
Um, and you're and wor- you're working uh, with and for. Yeah. MMA so All-Stars. I work for uh, the All Star, yeah. which most of my content goes up on on that with them. And then uh, you know I I do a little uh, side work as well um, with uh, covering one championship shows. Uh, I think I'm gonna start doing that again. Pick that up again uh, eventually. But yeah, like you know, here and there, you know, you pick up little work, but uh, but mainly with the All Star, and uh, yeah, and it seems you know I've been trying to grow that for a couple of years now, and uh, and trying to do different content. And, and you're like mostly you're doing like kind of your re- remote interviews, yeah, and yeah. you're about twenty minute interviews yeah. with uh, different fighters, and you've you've interviewed tons of big names. I mean, we don't even need to list them off. I mean, champions. Uh, I mean, you've Yuri Prochaska. Yeah. I mean, you, you've all, all these big names you've you've had these uh, you know interviews with yeah. um that type of content i saw recently you did a post you're looking to kind of even um, grow it exponentially like just doing more every week what's mm-hmm. kind of the, the plan for that well uh, the last three months to six months right i just been focused on like researching social media, researching content, researching YouTube, researching everything, right? Just sitting there watching videos um, and, uh, and like, just digesting, like, patterns and, and systems of how to, how to grow, you know? Because nowadays, everything social media is pretty much, right? It's like if you're not on there, it's very, very hard to grow anything, right? You're, you know, it's just that's what everybody's looking at. So that's what I was focused on. And I'm starting to implement some of these little tricks, right, that people talk about uh, slowly. Not like all at once because that's a lot of work, but slowly trying to, you know, do more of the Instagram reels, do more of like, uh, you know, like highlight, like clips, you know what I mean? Do do more of like a live long-form podcast and then clip those up. To, to, you know, to draw attention, you know, collab with people. Are, are you people. doing all the production? I'm doing everything. Scheduling, everything. 100%. Like I saw you set up, like, a little bit of a studio at your place I as did, well. I did, I did, you know. And that took massive time to research and, and understand of uh, how to set it up, even though it's still not very good, but it's still a, it's, it's a work in progress. But, yeah, like, there's a, there's a lot of investment, man. Like, when I first started out, I invested a lot of time into, like, learning how to write and learning how to do uh, all this other stuff, even, like, interviewing, you know, face-to-face. Like, I would watch, you know, like, so many videos on, like, how to interview people, how to get answers out of people that you want. In a way, how to manipulate people into saying things that, you know, that, uh, that are true, but maybe they wouldn't say that, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, so there's, there's so much, you know what I mean, that people don't know about but if you want to learn, you can. It's out there to to learn. Um, but yeah, just uh, with with interviewing, man. It's I don't know. It's I'm mm. still learning. Are, do you have any like specific? Let's say whether it's a UFC fighter or just in general an MMA fighter that you might have interviewed in the early days, and you can kind of you could tell. Okay, this guy's gonna be somebody way before they even you know were on the radar of let's say the general public. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I could say, like, oh, yeah, I knew Alex Volkanovsky was going to be the, the world champion. Power for p- no, I didn't know. I, I don't think know. anyone knew. I didn't know any. Like, I've interviewed so many fighters from, like, when they were, like, a regional fighter with, like, five fights to, like, 15, 20 fights in the UFC. I never knew or got an inclination of, like, this person is the next big star. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess you c- unless you actually see them in the gym or yeah, Something. it's just. It's I mean, even Volkanovski. I remember when George came on first. Like, 
I think I, I, I went out there and told George, I'm like, you have to understand the general public was rooting for Holloway in all those fights. It's just, it is what it is. And actually, no one believed or even understood the level he was at, Volkanovsky. No, no. And those, I mean, would you agree on that? Like, No, no. No one, ever, like, were you cheering for Holloway? No. I, I, no. I think I, as like a, the general public, I was like, because, you know, we, you've been following for so long. And Volkanovsky kind of just like, came out of nowhere mm -hmm. and then just took over and it was very surprising it, even every fight you're like oh we can't do it again holy fuck even yeah. the ortega fight uh, you're like is he gonna do it again and then he just kept steamrolling and steamrolling mm -hmm. and he didn't really get the respect he deserved at that that at the beginning of that uh, boom that was the thing that was the thing he wasn't getting even as a champion because you know you you have a champion like max holloway who's a massive fan favorite yeah so when you become a fan favorite and you're the champion Whoever comes next is going to have a hard time taking over that spot, right? And that's yeah. just what Volkanovski ran into, you know what I mean? If, you know, Max Holloway was the champion for a long period of time. It's not like he won one fight and he was a fan favorite. It's like he was a fan favorite for many, many He was fights. going on like an Aldo run yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but Volk, man, he's the type of guy that's like, for me being around Volk and interviewing him throughout the years and seeing him come up and becoming who he is, He's never changed, man. Like, he's always been the same person. That's that's the thing that I look at these fighters. Like, all the fighters fight, and they have bad performances and good performances. They lose and they win. But the unique position I'm in is, like, some of these fighters, I get to actually know them, you know what I mean? Like, behind mm. the interview, like, behind the cameras, and to get to understand, like, who they really are. Because some of these fighters, or a lot of these fighters, don't reveal even, like, 50%. Because they're mostly talking about fighting. You know, they don't actually talk about themselves, you know. And, uh, yeah, so with Volk, man, it's just like I would never be able to root against him. Because mm. I've known him since. Like, you you, you interviewed him very, yeah. like, almost entering the UFC. Yeah. Yeah, so that then it's a bit of a different, like, situation. Like, I don't think he came on the general public's radar till maybe a fight or maybe two before the Holloway to fight. Like, he wasn't on... Oh, who's this guy coming up? And finally, when he got there, even they're like, ah, oh, Holloway's going to win another one. Mm -hmm. And when that went, that fight went on, you're like, holy shit, this is actually... Because Holloway was just tuning everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. And the general public got to the point where like, ah, oh, he's just going to do it again and well, stopped with, in his tracks. With Volkanovski, like, what makes him so special is like, when you watch him train, it doesn't look like, you know, don't, no disrespect, but it doesn't look like it's anything special that he's doing. He's just really good at what he does. And he just makes it look easy. Because when you try to do what he's doing, you get tired. You just, the foot don't move the same way. It's just different, man. It's just the guy is built for the style of fighting that he has. And he could implement it so well. And then he got a great mind for the sport as well. And and that's why he, he's who he is, right? He's he's pound for pound, you know. Maybe not right now, but. Do you, do you see any younger fighters coming out of Bangtao Muay Thai? Because we get a lot that usually, they come from the UK. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of young kids yeah. from the UK come into the gym. Um, I'm, it looks like they're doing kind of mini fight camps, and then they're going back and they're doing their amateur fights. Is there anyone on your radar that you think could be special? Are you talking about the team? I'm talking about like these younger uh, kids that, that are, come you know, in. Yeah. That come in, they There's train, and they so go back. There's so many right now. Mm. There's so many uh, teenagers which is wild to me. Teenagers traveling around the world right. to train with the best coaches, to train with pros, and fight like five, six times a year as a teenager. 
And, be, and, and there's a kid named Shay Williams at the gym right now. He's like a multiple-time champ. He's only 14, maybe 15. But he's like a multiple-time champion. Like, he's knocking out adults. Literally knocking. He's 14 years old, sparring adults, head-kick knocking them out. Mm. That's ins- Like, how many 14-year-olds would you like to fight? None of them because, like, you think you beat all their asses. But this kid, he just looks like a re- – he's from Liverpool. So mm. he's got that, you know, the accent and everything too. But he's a guy I think that you uh, you should look at, and uh, there's a couple others, you know, 17, 18. You know, you know Kenny. Kenny's also a kid that's been around forever as well. Like I see super uh, potential in him, you know, in the future. And uh, yeah, man, there's so many. But like as fighters, like already in the spotlight, I think. I think Lerone Murphy is one of the fighters that we've seen recently at the gym. He's I think he's 15 feather- featherweight. Yeah, he's number 15. He's undefeated. Um, he doesn't even come from a ba- fighting background, but he just has that work ethic. He just, you know, he just grinds and, and he's just he can just perform when it's time to perform. And uh, I think uh, I think there's a big future with him as well. Um, who else is at the gym? That's uh, there's so many, man. Yeah, there seems a the lot cracks. of young kids yeah. there. You, you can see and then. They'll pop up on, on my Instagram, and you check them out, and they're fighting back home. Usually, it's just they're on these smaller promotions, and yeah. they're, they're training here for that. And they, they any of the kids that come here to train and go back, they usually win. Like, I, yeah. they're not losing. Well, there's those ki- the other group. There's a, a, a group of kids. They're yeah. not even kids. They're actually pros now, I believe, that come in. I, for, uh, I forgot their names. But, uh, yeah, they, they just look like a ragtag of – Hooligans, right? Yeah. Not like, not in a negative way. It's just like they don't look like fighters, but they're like the best prospects in the UK, which yeah. is wild to me. Uh, I'm sorry for not remembering their names, but yeah. Well, there's so many faces team. and names yeah. that come through the gym. It's really hard to, you know, yeah. I, I remember everyone. What, uh, in terms of the the MMA uh, scene in Korea with guys like uh, Korean Zombie retiring, um, I think you have June Park as well, but I think he recently lost. He was. He looked like he was on a, a bit of a run. Yeah. Um, do you anything see anything else on that landscape? Well, there's a couple uh, prospects, right? There's a there's a flyweight kid. Uh, he's undefeated right now. He just recently uh, won his uh, UFC officially UFC debut. Uh, Hansung Park. I think he has potential. He's also been out here at the gym multiple times. You know the story of him, right? Like him and Top Noi. We're on, oh we're yeah. in the same tournament. Oh, it's tournament. that guy. Yeah. He's, the re- he's more of a wrestling background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his won his debut with his striking. Mm. So look out for Hyunsung Park. Um, there's a, another kid. He's going to fight in a couple weeks, uh, make his UFC debut as well. Uh, Chung Yeon Lee, mm. really good, solid all around. Uh, been, been a champion regionally in Korea as well. Very good fighter. Um, and like you said, uh, there's a... Junyong Park. He's but he's been around. He fought Glenn Sparv, if you know who Glenn Sparv. Yeah, Sparve. he beat the shit out of Glenn. Sparve. Yeah, I saw. I, wa- I went bad. and watched that one because George was in the corner. Yeah, it no, was Frank. It, Frank was, was it Frank? Yeah. It was in Korea. No, no, it was in Taiwan. Taiwan. Sorry, Taiwan. I watched that one and it was getting pretty. Yeah, hairy. Um, he was on a bit of a run and I think he just he might have lost in a decision, but he definitely just lost. Yeah, yeah. Are you talking about Park? Yes, yes, yes. He did. He did. He did lose his last fight. Yeah, uh, it was it was a sloppy fight, but. But he still has potential, man. I think he's good. Uh, his teammate Taun Jung, who's a light heavyweight, uh, he's he's also very good as well. Young, uh, a big, big, uh, talented kid as but well. But Park is probably not young then. I'm assuming he's got to be 33. Yeah, um, he's he's in his like prime. Yeah, like 
this is the time to make it the run for him. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, one loss is not that bad. He's beaten. He's only lost twice in the UFC. I think his record is like six and two or something yeah. like that. So he's uh, he's doing well for himself. Um, there's a lot of young guys, you know. Now the the landscape of MMA is changing a little bit in 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 Korea and as well as Japan. As in, like, the fighters are different. The next generation of fighters are uh, are influenced by the Conor McGregor era, basically. Mm. And now the Koreans coming up. There there's kids with you know their own little you know uh, you know. Uh, what is it? Personalities and, and characters and things like that. And like, there's a uh, a promotion called Black Combat in Korea. Uh, massive. Like, they have do great production. And everything they eat, they um they produce the events with these fighters talking smack to each other. Like, you know, pr- you know, like they they're building it. It's like a movie for them. And and even in Japan as well. Like in in, in Ryzen, like the the young kids coming up, they're talking shit. They're talking trash. They're 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 like getting at each other, you know what I mean? I enjoy it. I think it's mm. okay. I think, like, talking trash is great. Respect is great. You know, whatever you enjoy, you enjoy, but well, I like the, it all. The Japanese kid, uh, I, you always see him at the gym. I call him uh, Japanese Tony Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see him training? Yeah. He's the most craziest, like, like his training techniques where he's, like, hanging upside down on yeah. one leg, balancing on a foot with a weight in the other leg on some, like, rolly piece of PVC pipe he got somewhere, like, He's a trip, man. I, I heard it, but he's he's is he doing quite well in Ryzen? No, he f- he fought for the PFL. Oh, he, he but he, I thought he was in Ryzen at one no, point. No, no, someone wasn't. told me. Oh, he he fought for PFL and uh, he just got really like bad matchups. You know, what I mean, they just threw him to the wolves basically. Oh, okay. I don't know why they would do that, but that's that's what they did. He did well against the fighters, but it's just like you know th- the level is there. You know, he's still really young. I believe he's only like twenty. He must have another fight coming up because, I mean, I see this guy. He's training every day. Eight hours a day. It's like a shift. For I, him. I see him every morning. Me and him are friendly now because we train around the same time. Yeah, yeah. I even saw him Christmas Day and New Year's Day there. Yeah, I went both mornings and he's there. Yeah, he's there. Like they, They're dedicated. It's just unique way of training, but they're they're fully is that his mom invested. and dad yeah that's his mom and dad that's I what i assume yeah they're fully invested man because even his mom's working out like she's doing uh she's got the weights on she's doing neck neck moves wow. and strengthening her neck and they're using she's using resistance bands so i mean i'm assuming probably the father has some sort of old school martial arts background from japan in them right yeah yeah they definitely do um i don't really know much about their story but all i know is like they're training yeah. And it's different. But they don't, I'm assuming, they don't speak any English. I have no idea. I, I've tried to talk to him. He, I don't think it's, it's yeah. any, any yeah, English. Because he asked one day, we were doing the lion's mane. He's like, oh, what's that? I'm like, but luckily I know how to say lion's mane in Japanese. It's uh, Yamabu Shitaki. Because right. <laughs> I, I, I know, because I use that word for like uh, helping the product rank. Yeah. And <laughs> he's like, ah, okay, okay. But that was it. That was the end of that conversation. Yeah. Um, ju- just before we wrap it up, it's probably been an hour. See, it goes so fast. Uh, just talking more about like uh, on a final note, being involved in doing the interviews, you've built your studio. It looks like you're planning to scale. I mean, 2024 just started. Um, if we're to reconnect again at the end of the year, what do you expect to get done this year? Well, I expect to build my following more. You know what I mean? Uh, cause I never really focused on that. I was always focused on my, my, uh, my perception is like I'm never wanting to be bigger than the fighter. 
right? I never like if I interview the fighter, that's why you're watching the interview. You're watching it for the fighter. You're not watching it for me. But now I feel like okay, I have to flip this and say okay, now I have to be out there a little bit more and grow myself, grow my following, and focus on myself on top of doing all the other stuff, right? So it's just adding more work. But I'm 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 down for it. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm ready for it. And uh, by the end of the year, I hope to be in a better studio. Kind of like this place, you know, and uh, yeah, and doing a show out of there and uh, and maybe even like uh, branching out into other types of media as well. Not just uh, MMA or, or combat sports, but, you know, maybe more uh, Asian centric. Baseball themes. <laughs> baseball, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Korean baseball, yeah, which Korea. is if you're ever in Korea, it's actually the best experience. It you is. Can it is. Like, I don't even remember watching the game. I was just crushing beers and eating hot yeah. dogs and a Chicken. Korean baseball as an experience in Korea, like that's probably the best thing you can do. It is. It's it is. Phenomenal. The whole two, each side, two teams chanting. They all got their songs. You're learning the songs by the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would go back to Korea just for that experience. It was and, amazing. And it's kind of like luxurious. Oh, it's way. great. The, the seats are nice. It's not. You don't feel like you know a baseball yeah. game feels. You know, you got some guy next to you with more you know tattoos than teeth and. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, no, I mean in, in the U.S. and yeah, Canada, but yeah. no, it was amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah, they got the cheerleaders too. Yeah, yeah, just for that. <laughs> the cheerleaders. <were laughs> I gotta put a, a picture proper. up. I'll, I'll try. If They're all like racing girls. You know that, right? Yeah. They're all like racing girls that do like those jobs on the side. It's a trip. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it keeps you there. Yeah, but, but yeah. you, I remember you're. You have no idea what the score is. You don't even know what uh, inning it is because you're kind of just trying to join into the songs and. Yeah. I don't add just as a foreigner there. As, as a yeah, if you're a foreigner, if you're visiting oh. Korea, that's like it should be on the list of Number things one. to do. Yeah, and, and especially be. if you're the group. We were playing hockey with a group of guys. It's a blast. Yeah. And well. there's a bunch of teams, so it shouldn't be too hard to find. Well, yeah. So we should. We're probably gonna move out of here hopefully soon. If any place ever lets us sign a contract, they're always changing their minds. And then I think I might get an office and then put the studio there. Um, haven't decided yet. Um, okay, uh, just on a final note, just before we wrap it up, I'll kick the camera right back. You got this big-ass lens here, um, the big, big lens. If you can kind of just let everyone know, I'll put links in the description of how they can reach out to you and all that stuff. Are you talking about social media? Yeah, for your social media. All right, so social media, very simple. Korean John on everything, like on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. If you type in Korean John, I think I'm the only one. So it's easy for, for you to find me. Um, yeah, you could f- also uh, get all of my content on the All-Star YouTube channel, actually the website as well, and we ha- have an app. Go download the app, the All-Star app. Uh, it's phenomenal. You can make UFC picks and all of that stuff. It's uh, very interactive. Uh, but other than that, you know, just uh, just keep watching. That's all I expect. Yeah, and you'll, you'll see uh, his name pop up. Uh, we were discussing that. When you're watching UFC. Now, I, there, I don't think... They didn't write Korean, uh, Korean John. They still write it as like uh, they write like Huang Huang Kuo. Well, it, my name is there, but underneath it, they it does say Korean oh, because the tag, yeah, the tag, is the yeah, tag. Yeah. Interesting. Anyways, we were talking about that. If you're ever watching UFC, your Twitter appears all the time. And I always see it pop up, and I want to try to grab a snapshot. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, and it's on like main cards, fight cards, you name it. You're always popping up there. I'm, 
I wonder uh, I wonder how they pick that up. It's my uh, claim to fame, I guess. Yeah, it's like, really that's cool. my famous moment. Well, they're pushing you. They're the algorithm's pushing you. Something's I guess going so. on. What's I guess going so. on here? You got now it's to the point where, like, <coughs> you know, people are, like, telling me they're trying to get their tweet on the broadcast. They're telling me. And I'm like, what are you at, at telling me about it? I don't know. I, I don't know how I get my tweets on the broadcast. I have no idea. Maybe it's the hashtag. Well, it doesn't matter because everybody puts the hashtag. Right, of the event. Right? Yeah, everybody puts the hashtag of the event. I have no idea. Maybe I was just lucky enough to get selected at the start of the ESPN deal or something. I have no idea, but you know, ESPN, thank you. Maybe UFC. they think you're someone else. Maybe they do. <laughs> no, or maybe they're like, oh, we got to fill the quota. We need one Asian. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's all coming full circle. How many more Asians have you seen on Twitter? Like, yeah. on the UFC broadcast? Yeah, maybe. None. That's good. Keep it, Well, you can keep that strong at least. Yeah, try to. Yeah. Try to. All right, that wraps up another episode. Uh, I didn't shave my head at the start of the year. I look like an absolute <laughs> prison prisoner. All right, we're out. Okay, subscribe, like, do all that fun stuff. See ya.